0: Bigfoot Club. Foot, 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 foot,
1: foot, for Two, three. Bigfoot Club four.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bigfoot Club. Robert Jesse Dominguez. Ash Tucker. Steven Robert Dominguez. Believe in us. Believe in Bigfoot Club. Because we are too.
0: Hi, this is John.
1: And I'm Cecilia.
0: From Crazy Cat Paranormal Speaks.
1: And you're listening to the Bigfoot Club Podcast. Hi, everyone. I wanted to mention if you are listening to Bigfoot Club on any of these platforms iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Stitcher, Google Play, Alexa, YouTube, Listen Notes or Deezer, please give us a comment, a like, a subscription, give us a follow, and we appreciate it greatly. Also please like and follow us on social media platforms Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us by searching Bigfoot Club One. That's Bigfoot Club and the number one. If you have any paranormal Bigfoot or strange stories, please email us at BigfootClub1 at gmail.com. Again, that's BigfootClub, the number one, at gmail.com. Please check out Matt Knapp's YouTube channel, Bigfoot Crossroads and Cryptid Tales. Also, give a listen to Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio on YouTube with Lauren Smith. It's also available anywhere else. You can listen to podcasts. So, if you enjoy the show and would like Bigfoot Club to keep making episodes, then perhaps you would consider supporting the show. You can do this by donating to our PayPal link, and any donation is accepted. These donations will support us in the, to continue bringing episodes and content. Once again, thank you so much for your support. Hey everybody,
2: Robert Jesse Dominguez, Bigfoot Club, Season 2, Episode 45, here with Steven and Nash. How are you guys doing? We're doing okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We've done a lot of episodes this year. Yeah, we yeah we have. <laughs> I guess I just don't pay attention. I'm just like, really, already.
2: Yeah, I was telling Matt. Um, I was telling Matt this week that we were going to do two episodes with Scott, and then with Brett next week, and then I was going to cut it short the rest of the year. He says, "Take a break." I said, "Yeah, man, we've been going hard all year.
1: We haven't taken a break since what July?
2: July, yeah. yeah. We've been we've been doing a show like non, almost like every week, almost so." Mm-hmm. So, it's been pretty tough. It's a, It's been a tough year, but I think it's been good for us from the Bigfoot Club stand standpoint. So, um, I'm pretty excited today. Today, we have Scott Perry with uh, Texas Paranormal Recon. How are you?
0: I'm fantastic, and it's wonderful to be on this thing.
2: Man, I, I've been trying to get you on for a while. I know you were on uh, Brad Freeman's show uh, that he's no longer doing, but... Um, but I, I've been trying to get you on, um, and I've been meaning to reach out to you, but I just, I, you know, I haven't had time to do it.
0: It's been busy. Yeah. It's been busy.
2: So you're actually a moderator on Pentex, the Paranormal uh, Investigations of North Texas Facebook group that I run. And you, actually, you and Brad are moderators for that, and you guys do a great job. I just want to say that.
0: Well, thank you so much. It's really fun to do that work.
2: Um, let me ask you a quick question. Uh, when you when you joined that group, were you in another group already? Or
0: oh Lord, let's see. Um, that was one of the first ones I joined. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine, Tonya Merritt, kind of pulled me off into Texas Paranormal Outreach, and that kind of died down. But if anyone's interested, I'm still kind of running that. Okay, um, it's just out there. Um, maybe trying to move that up into something more than an educational site into something that might be a little bit more active, and that would be cool. Okay. Uh, I was part of, like, Brad's group, uh, Texas Paranormal Expeditions, Dallas-Fort Worth, and then um, a good chunk of us trying to transfer it over to Texas Paranormal Recon. And um, we've been running cases, and it's been a lot of residential cases. It's been very nice to help people that way. Mm -hmm. And I've uh, done that before, by and large, just individually. But it's nice having a team with, to work with.
2: Uh, Ricky Ewan's running that group, right?
0: Yes, She is.
2: I haven't had a chance to meet her. I've been trying to meet her. Uh, we've had like two things postponed. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, but I've been I've been trying to meet her. So I don't know you that well, Scott. I know we've talked a couple times on the phone, but from what I gathered, um, and I'm just going off going off my gut here, you seem like you want to help people. And that's what kind of I gravitate to as individuals. who just want to help people like in the paranormal field. So <clears throat> I just wanted to say that. So,
0: <laughs> Well, fantastic. And if anyone needs any help whatsoever, by all means, I hope tonight will give them the uh, inspiration to seek out help. If, if our group can do something, by all means, let mm-hmm. us know. We can be reached at Texas Paranormal Recon at gmail.com. Also, you can do that same thing, Scott, period, Texas Paranormal Recon at gmail.com. And uh, we'll do what we can for you. Like we said, we've been booked pretty much weekend after weekend, but uh, mm-hmm. we're still out helping people. And that's our goal. That's why we got into this.
2: Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to get started with, because uh, I'm. Extremely interested in your, and I hope if I say anything wrong, I I, I really apologize because I'm I don't know anything about it, so I wanted to.
0: I'm a teacher. I was kind of like Be <laughs> like, no, Robert, <laughs> that was the most racist thing I've ever heard. Man. Um, <laughs> but
2: I'm I'm really interested in you know, the Saxon Wicca stuff. So if you want to start on the very beginning, how you got started, what got you into it? I mean, because I, 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 it shows it's, it's it's like your passion to do it. So. It's wanted. so
0: much a part of my life that it's, it's kind of like, let me, let me start this way. I'll give you a little background on what Saxon Wicca is, mm-hmm. and then we'll kind of move off into how I got involved with it. And it's something I've been doing for over 40 years, so this is, it's like a long story. Now, I imagine that a lot of your audience members are Christian, mm-hmm. so every time I say coven, I want you to think church family. Because okay. that makes it make a lot more sense.
2: That sounds better, too. <laughs> uh,
0: in which case, you can see, like, whenever I kind of mention I'm also a Cabot witch, it's not exactly like I forgot my um, my church family of Saxon Wicca, the covens. It just means that, like, I've kind of, like, moved on to, like, a different denomination. But when I go home, I still see the old coven whenever I um, – Whenever I think I'm far removed from them, they remind me I'm still an acting priest with them, and, that, you know, they still consider me as part of their group. And um, as soon as this COVID thing's over, I'm going to go back and see them when I go see my mom. So there's that. Okay. But Saxon Wicca is started by Raymond Buckland. Um, he was kind of important because he was a student of Gerald Gardner. Now, if you know anything about British traditional witchcraft... There were many different covens that were out there, but Gardner's was the first one that came forth. And, in fact, he was kind of acting as a public relations person to try to bring uh, witchcraft out of the, uh, we call it the broom closet, kind of like you're gay, you're in the closet, we'll Mm -hmm. bring you out of the broom closet. And, as such, he and some of the other ones that were influenced by his coven or by, like, similar styles of the craft, such as Alexandrian, which practices more ceremonial magic, or some of the many other forms of British traditional witchcraft that are out there, just kind of blossomed, and they're some of the first ones that you would see out in the scene back in the 60s and 70s and stuff like that. Their main purpose was to show that there was a a stark difference between, and this is where I might offend some people, between Satanism and witchcraft. Mm -hmm. Um, Christianity demonized... Uh, My Native American ancestors, including my grandfather, who's full-blood, and some others, saying that whatever shamanic practices they were doing was devil worship, and it's not. It has nothing to do with it. Same thing with the practices that existed before Christianity came into England, you know, all the pagan practices. Mm -hmm. And Wicca is not a straight continuation of that, in the same way that Christianity has had some major changes throughout time, such as the Protestant Reformation or if you're Catholic, Vatican II, that changed over everything. Um, Wicca's gone through its changes as well. And as such, it modernizes like any other religion. From this stream of British traditional witchcraft came Raymond Buckland, who was a student of Gerald Gardner. And he came over to the U.S., brought British traditional witchcraft, and kind of democratized it, which made it more like a democracy, which fits the American spirit. Where with British traditional witchcraft, you have a high priestess, high priest, and it kind of goes down the hierarchical structure. Um, With Saxon Wicca, we all kind of assume the roles of a high priest at one time or another. You kind of cycle on and cycle off. The idea being that people respect you because you know what you're doing, not because you're wearing the Pope hat, if you will. Right. Because you know with many organized religions, you can have people that climb up into power. They don't necessarily have the best interests at heart. They don't necessarily have, um, they may not know what they're talking about, but they know how to play politics. So this is a way of trying to circumvent that. And for me personally, I think it's positive. Now, as far as myself, well, I grew up in a small little town of Ada, Oklahoma. Um, everyone around me was Christian. Everything was Christian. You know, it's it's in the middle of Bible Belt. What can you expect? Mm-hmm, yeah. But a lot of Christianity, just it didn't vibe with me. I had memories of past lives. I was talking to spirits from an early age. Um, I was remembering my past life as a witch. I was remembering like how to do spell work, and I would kind of do weather spells and other fun things when I was a little kid. And somewhere around the time that um, this is a different day and age... But there was a time in which if your parents wanted to dump you off, they could drop you off at the local public library and take care of some business things and come back and swing and get you later. Um, So I was hanging out at the local library and I was checking out a lot of books on ghosts, a lot of things on like Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, um, a lot of things on witchcraft. And one of the librarians happened to notice and she was a witch and she just kind of watched me from afar and was like asking me questions. And after a while, Uh, she invited me to join her group, which was going to become, like, my church family, which was uh, Saxon Wicca. And they kept me on the straight and narrow and kind of, they were like surrogate parents, if you will. Right. A group of 13 surrogate parents, so, and also the fact that they were witches and had psychic abilities, too, made sure that I really couldn't get away with a lot, so... Where other people are out drinking, partying, and doing other stuff, I was holding seances and just doing things that were slightly different, but still positive.
2: What did um, What did your parents say about about you joining this covet?
0: Um, they were busy with work. They were kind of uh, consumed with other stuff, so they didn't. If they noticed, they didn't say anything. Uh, my parents bought me like a cult books and just kind of like, you know, that was that. So I had access to a lot more materials than other people would have, and they didn't really say much of anything. Uh, later on, when I was uh, after 18 and came out of the closet as a gay man and also kind of, you know, told them that I wasn't a Christian, um, then it started to hit home. But I think it took about a good decade or so later before either thing sunk in. And I'm pretty sure the gay thing took till about age 40 for that sunk in, and maybe witchcraft might have done the same thing. Okay. They they
2: seemed like I mean they were buying you stuff, so they were somewhat supportive of you, right?
0: Yeah, they weren't. They're were, like they're wonderful people. They were like good parents. I say that my mother is still alive. She's a wonderful parent. My dad has moved on, and he was wonderful. But it wasn't like your traditional kind of thing. My parents still bought me like a Bible, a King James Bible, when I was thirteen, and a cross. And I remember looking at them at Christmas (laughs) and going, why would you do that? Because it's kind of one of those understood.
1: Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where like, you know, we're (laughs) because my mom still does that too. You know, I'm like non-denominational pagan or whatever, but she kind of like kind of wants to be like, well, hey, you're single. There's this. Down at the church they're having a singles meetup and they just go to the movies and you know, just kinda like tries to backdoor it and they're kinda like, you know like maybe I mean I know you're thirty four, but maybe it's just a phase.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I think for some especially in the Bible world, maybe 40 is the magic number when they finally just Yeah, they off.
2: go, Okay, I give up.
0: <laughs> we'll see. My mother were more clever with it. I could see her saying, "I know she like uh, crackers and grape juice. Why don't you come down to the <laughs> the church?" Yeah.
1: Those crackers taste like envelopes. I don't know. That's what I always thought. Like when the old, like when you, yeah, like yeah. The env- That's yeah, what they yeah. tasted like to me.
2: Oh. It's uh, the, the the flesh com- of Christ, the communion.
1: Yeah.
2: Christ. Um. So um. You were mentioning earlier the second-degree second, second degree, uh, cabal witch. So did you move on? Did, is, it, is Saxon Wicca, like, the first phase, and then you just moved on to that?
0: Think of them like different <laughs> denominations. Okay. We call them tradition, use denominations. About seven years ago, I became vegan, and there is a lot of gay witch vegans that are, like, cabot witches, and I just kind of, like, I love I love Sax Wicca. I'm always going to be a Sax Wicca. And I'm always going to be a priest in that. But I also like the Cabot, we gonna call it denomination, but it's tradition. I like the Cabot denomination a lot. I studied under Laurie Cabot. She's a wonderful lady. She's funny. She is, um, they have an insult for witches like her. They'll call them like glitter witches because they're not dark and scary. And she just puts glitter and damn anything. If you buy candles from her, you're going to see like glitter sneezed all over it. So, <laughs> she just damn funny. And if you look at her and like just kind of like turn on your radar, she's always surrounded by a bunch of like gay witches. So uh-huh. it's like there's drop a disco ball and it's you a party. Get <laughs> so it's it's a super friendly kind of environment. And yeah, I'm a Cabot witch too. Very proud of that. I always fly the Cabot colors on my Facebook profile and whatever else. It's, it's, you know, you don't have to, you can, you never forget like your church family, if you Mm would. Like if, you know, you've changed denominations or become non-denominational Christian, you you don't really lose who you were.
2: Um, I have to admit uh, that number one, I was saying earlier that I don't, I didn't know that much about any of this. And I listened to Brad Freeman's show and I became interested in it. I said, man, this is something I've never. I mean, I've heard of witches, but I didn't know, you know, that there were like denominations and covens. And uh, this is
3: in my left.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, I was going to say, if you really want to get on a tirade of different things, like, <laughs> there's so many different groups that call themselves witches. It's like the old fight over who's a witch and who's not a witch yeah. is still kind of brewing. You have um, people that watch, like, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and they think that witchcraft is... You know, if I don't worship the devil, there you go. Yeah. And you have, like, satanic witches, but we just call them Satanist if you're Wiccan. Right. And um, you have some other people, they will call themselves traditional witches, and it's just like they read the stuff that was the folklore. Christians were talking about how uh, witches worship the devil, and they try to bring the devil back in. Or maybe it's not the devil. Maybe it's the horned god. It's kind of iffy.
2: Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you also, um, the Golden Dawn ceremonial magic is that a different one? Also, is that is it, or is it a part of that?
0: Oh, it's an entirely different practice. Okay, so let's, say, let's let's kind of move it this way: um, witchcraft versus Wicca. I'm going to use Wicca as for what I do because it's what I do. Uh, Wicca has a religion, and it's also a magical practice of witchcraft. It's okay, You can have some people today, and let me say like today, because if you went back in the 80s, you saw a witch, it was a Wiccan. Same thing for the 90s, it was a Wiccan. But you might run to one of the people today that practice witchcraft. They've, you know, maybe came from a family tradition, maybe they learned off the internet, but they'll say it's a practice, and they might claim to be atheist, they might claim to be Christian, they might claim to be anything. Um, So it's more of a practice in that regard. The Golden Dawn's kind of similar. It's it's actually a, it's it's an algorithm of a lot of different systems put together. Um, let me backtrack for a while because it'll make more sense this way. Okay. If you're practicing ceremonial magic, which is those you know the big books, of grammars, or grammaries of magic, um, each grammar of magic and the practitioner was individual to that book. So. For example, if I had a copy of the Heptameron and I was really, you know, I knew the Heptameron. the spirits there, I dealt with all the time. Um, practitioners of this would call themselves old system magic, and they would only work within the confines of that book itself. And they kind of describe themselves as like modern shame, uh, shamans, because you know how like if you're a shamanic practicing of actual like Native American, you know, mm. religion, like my grandfather was you do a lot of very specific things to contact very specific um, spirits or entities, but it's not like you can use the same thing for contacting any spirit. There are certain ones that are specific to you. Or if we're going to use the old term, familiar, familiar spirits. Um, Now, when it comes down to the Golden Dawn, they were taking astrology, astrological magic, um, which is specifically that hermetic part, Greek, you know, root word being Hermes, god of magic, and uh, Greek astrological magic, moving it with uh, Kabbalah, which was done in many different uh, systems of magic or grammars of magic. But for the Golden Dawn, they kind of got an overarching system that blended um, different styles of Egyptian magic. uh Uh, astrological magic, and also Kabbalah all in together. So you might have a system that's using the Jewish god names, but also using the god forms or images of Egyptian gods because the Jewish god names didn't come with images. So um, if you're dealing with solar deity, Yedavavhe, Aloha, Vada'at, you might also be dealing with Osiris, or if using the Coptic name Osir. Um, and this is where you see, like, if you're looking at old system magicians, you're going to see, like, circles that are drawn on the ground. Like, if you're dealing with uh, magicians or sorcerers, they're dealing with a Gosha. You might also hear that pronounced as Goisha. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to see a circle on the ground. Solomonic magic does this. You'll have a triangle of manifestation off in the corner that's got a little black mirror on the inside. But if you're looking at a Golden Dawn magician, we're the ones that tend to draw like pentagrams and hexagrams in the air and all of our stuff is up in the air. It's a blending of things. Old system magicians will look at the Golden Dawn and say anything Golden Dawn on is kind of like New Age. Okay. Uh, the New Age terms. If you notice how New Agers will blend a lot of different stuff together, the Golden Dawn did it first. Um, with that said, you'll also see Golden Dawn currents infecting like Wicca because whenever the Golden Dawn, and this is one of the reasons why the Golden Dawn important, it's just such a huge magical influence. Whenever practitioners of the craft in into Golden Dawn magicians, they kind of compared notes, as you do, and um, you'll see some blending back and forth. So is the Golden Dawn a religion? No, it's more of a practice, mm, okay. um, a system of magic and transformation, but there's certainly a lot of spirit behind it, and you'll see a lot of people that may not call that a faith because it's all about finding proof. But um, it's it's deeply spiritual. That um, you can give any faith a join.
2: Godin Dawn. Is, it's it's pretty old, isn't it? Is it not? Or
0: it's relatively old, not as old as like the like I say, the old system magicians that were like traveling around since the medieval ages. But for us, because it was not this century, not, you know, last century, around the time the Victorians are running around, you know, it's, right. it's fairly old.
2: Um, Aleister Crowley was a part of the Golden Dawn. Aleister
0: Crowley was a part of everything. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, where, that's where you always got to look at Crowley because everyone always brings up him. The Golden Dawn is not a fan of him because right. he was a black magician and doing all this other stuff. Plus, he stole a lot of secrets that he wasn't supposed to steal and run off and publish them. As his own. Um, but if you're looking at Crowley about why he was a part of different groups, go go research Crowley's biography. You're going to see he was part of, like, anything that was shaken during that time. Crowley found a way to become a member of it.
2: I actually uh, bought um, the Secret Siphon Filter. Um, you
0: did?
2: And, and he's, he's all over that book.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So. He's over
0: a lot of different books, and that's that's where you'll see stuff. He was actually hanging out with Gerald Gardner. I mentioned him before. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's of Garderian Wicca. And like I said, those two kind of compared notes. Now, it's, it's questionable. Probably had a reputation, but it's like you're not really sure if he got into different groups because of his reputation. It's, I, I compare it to, like, Ghost Hunters. You know how mm-hmm. some people are um, celebrity Ghost Hunters, and they'll join any group possible, and people are so happy to have them because of the name. Mm-hmm. And then you get to know him, you go, wow, this guy's kind of a skank.
2: <laughs>
0: That's Crowley. It almost, and then you, wish you, then you wish you hadn't told him where you lived, because now he knows and he's knocking on your door.
2: Dude. Yeah, it almost sounds like he was like looking for something.
0: Oh, he yeah. always was. Uh, some, the people that kind of follow him will kind of compare him to like Prometheus. You know, he's looking after stolen fire. Mm-hmm. and he did find it he just went to every group to kind of get it and pull it together plus whatever inspiration he had
2: yeah because he was, looked like he was into aliens too and all kinds of
0: oh if it moved he was there oh, yeah. <laughs> and,
1: it, and it's interesting with things like that it kind of it's in both worlds honestly when you get in, like to the aliens and then like the metaphysical aspects of that it's like you know mm-hmm. i think they kind of with with our favorite and our favorite thing to reference with Hillier, they kind of mean. Yeah. Uh, they, they get into that a lot because, you know, it's just. What are, what's it called? It's just like. Synchronicity. Synchronicity. Synchronicity.
0: <laughs> well, synchronicity yeah. Right? If you do anything with Aleister Crowley's sex life, he might have been wanting to have sex with him. Yeah. And <laughs> after anything that moves, so, you know, why not? He, was, on.
2: he was there, right? So,
1: he was the beast, yeah. apparently. You know, you never know how he got that reputation.
2: Yeah. Um. Wow. I was good, I noticed that um did you have a you know the our our listeners can't see this, but you have like a necklace around your your neck oh yeah can you can so, you talk about that a little bit
0: yeah this one is just your typical kind of pentagram it's a Wiccan one uh spirit up top down over this way would be fire, earth, air, water, and you'll see stars in like many religions right mm-hmm. This is one that was kind of used in ceremonial magic. It's also used in Wicca as a sign of, like, uh, the four elements ruled by, you know, the gods. It's For us, it's a very positive symbol. Again, if you're looking at people and trying to figure out which flavor they go, um, remember if it's inverse at the point down, that's your Satanist, that's your dark magic user, just like with crosses. You know, Satanists like to invert things the rest of it keep the point going up because we're trying to ascend and not go down
2: right mm. um i know whenever um whenever i listen to you on Brad Freeman cuz i'm i'm a big fan of, of Brad Freeman that's what i call him um <laughs> but um i know cuz i know he was I, I got attracted to Brad Freeman because he wanted to help people and i know he probably did the same thing to you or you you guys probably met up you, did you meet him through uh, the the Pentex or or like somewhere actually,
0: else? In, like Texas Paranormal Outreach. It was on a video on that thing, and uh-huh. he talking about some stuff. And um, then I think it was around like Christmas was like a big holiday. inviting me to join his group. And since Brad's actually trying to help people, I thought that would be fantastic.
2: Yeah,
0: I, you know, it's I've, there's different there's different styles of people. that are involved in like paranormal investigation. Some are looking for a ghost adventure, right? Other people are trying to help, you know, people. So they do a lot more. Like me, I do a lot more residential cases. Mm-hmm. If I go out with uh, other mediums or something to like a fun adventure, um, I'm usually just kind of looking at the. I'll be honest. Like if I if I go to like a fun adventure, I'm checking out the architecture. I'm looking at the house. Mm-hmm. I'm lost in other things. Um, I really get more active when I'm actually out trying to help people. But I'm also a teacher, so that's part of that same ethos,
2: right? So. I know that's for some reason I I just gravitated toward you. I said, man, you know I, I, I just sensed that you just wanted to help people, and I know I've hand, I've actually handed you some some cases recently, because yeah. um, uh, I know Brad's group is no longer. Is, is Brad group is is it all dissolved already or?
0: It's kind of dissolved. A lot of us are in Texas Paranormal Recon, so okay. it's still it's up and moving in one form or another.
2: You guys have a like a Facebook page or?
0: Not yet. We've been we've been wondering about how we want to go about it. We want to put up like a website, and we've got some forms and stuff ready to go. But like I said, we've been busy enough as is without having one yet. We haven't had time to kind of like launch that aspect. Yeah.
2: Well, any anytime you guys want to you know pitch stuff or you know you're you know more than welcome to do it on Pintex. So absolutely. Um, but. Um, did you? I mean, could you? Could you talk about some of the cases, or without talking about the people and not giving out sure. their information? I'm trying so. to
0: keep it vague, just because. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. We had one that was really nice. Um, it was with a family, Hispanic family. They had like guitar sounds playing in the living room and stuff like that. They um, thought it was uh, their deceased father and you know for the kids a big grandfather and stuff like that mm-hmm. and um, with a lady with us Marie she's in so many paranormal groups she's just freaking amazing she's a psychic medium and was able to through FaceTime peg out stuff and and name uh, like oh this person here is like blah blah described him it was an aunt or something like that and just got the descriptions correct and that was wonderful uh, the family felt more comforted by that I always, whenever there's a spirit in a place, I always get really curious, and that's how I describe it. I just kind of get curious, and I feel like I need to go walking around. So I went walking around. In that case, um, told everyone I was. I'm going to go off to the restroom, and I used that law as an excuse, mm-hmm. and um, went out to like the bedroom area, which was next to the. Um, next to the uh, bathroom, and I saw a spirit standing before the foot of the bed, and then the lights in the room went out. So I was like, okay, this is where we need to be. Grabbed everyone in the living room, uh, brought them back over that way, and that was really fun. In the middle of, like, using the phasma box to get some signals and having the spirit, like, you know, hit the K2 meter and, you know, whatever color we are going for, Um, I felt like my voice start to change. I'm a trans medium by the way, so I can either see them and talk to them or I just entirely go under and they speak through me. My voice was changing. I looked over at Lauren Gonzalez was with us and I said like, you know, this isn't me. This isn't my voice. I'm going to go under soon. And later on, I did the spirit of the dad just came through me was had this really long conversation with the family. Um, I don't recall much of it because I never do when that happens. I was about to ask that
2: question. So. <laughs> I know.
0: Dang. But whenever I, whenever I did come out of it, they, they felt like they had talked to their dad and whatever they needed to have resolved was resolved. And one of the things that we were looking for was like a fedora hat of his, which was in the closet. And they found it, so they felt it was good. Okay. And that was really nice. It brought a nice closure to them. We also had a lady that – let me see how I can start this one um, – Lady had a mom who died. Husband woke up one time and saw, like, the, the mother's spirit uh, next to him in bed asking for a cup of coffee. And they were seeing that along with a lot of different shadow people and things. And around this was the time that they had found a guitar with the Ouija design on it floating down the river. Someone brought it over to them, and it was going to be like a gift. So this thing was more of a... Slash cursed object, but it did have a spirit attached to it. Mm-hmm. And we were going to basically remove the thing from them, clean everything out, using ceremonial magic banishings, uh, which is a slight difference with our group than like some others. Some will like do the Christian prayer and sage, and the lady flat out said accurately that sage just pissed it off. Yeah. And it on the nastier one, sage doesn't do much of anything. It's like throwing salt at someone's head. They're still going to go after you. So we were walking around the joints. Um, Air was really heavy in there. On the spirit box next to the guitar, we uh, got a voice that said, kill the freaks. That was nice. Uh, Phasma box had a lot of different spirits coming through. Some of them were like little kids. They were asking for help because whatever was there was creeping those spirits out. And, um, spent a good long time banishing and everything. By the time that I was finishing with the banishing, Mm -hmm. um, the house was brighter. The air was lighter. There were no voices on the phasma box, spirit box. Uh, Mel meter was pretty much just flatline normal. And, um, when we went to get rid of the guitar at the very end, I actually constructed a talismanic object. It was a large binding cloth that would keep whatever was in there in there so we could travel with it without it doing anything to us. And, um, by the time we brought it back to where we were going to dispose of it at, um, this thing that took two people to hold while we're trying to bind it was so light that Ricky almost threw it over his shoulder. Wow. Because when the spirit left, um, it was it was just entirely de and super super light. Uh,
2: um, I was gonna say I remember getting this case, and did I give this one to you, or or did I give it to someone else? Because I actually got the case on Pentex. The person that sent me sent me this was not a part of Pentex. They they messaged they they uh, DM'd me, and yeah. I can't remember who I gave it to. I can't if I gave it to you or. Brad.
0: Um, yeah,
2: probably. Cuz like she sent me a picture of the guitar and I go, yeah. "Uh-oh, okay." So, yeah, I think so I wait. I think I gave it to somebody. I just can't remember who it was. So, I was wondering probably about that one
0: that came back over to me. Yeah, and um Ricky and I ran that one. That was that was very interesting. On their way down there, we had um There was a smell that was associated with the spirit, and we encountered that one before we actually got over to the place. Mm -hmm. Um, As usual, in a lot of those cases, like her GPS was just fouling up like mad, taking us every wrong turn and twist that we could have. Mm -hmm. And about a month before we actually started that one, um, Marie had like a spirit trying to bother her. I had one pop into my place. And my place has a lot of, like, different magical defenses, but it still made a lamp kind of burst up, you know, spark out and
2: burn yeah. out and have
0: a new one. Um And Ricky forgot how to drive for a while. She had to pull over the side of her car because she didn't remember how to drive. That's weird. <laughs> it was just kind of attacking things. Sometimes in more spicy cases, you know, the spirit will introduce itself beforehand, you know, just kind of give you that little back off.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, that was probably that spirit's little back off thing.
2: So when, when you enter something like that, do you, like, do you do a spell or do you do...
0: Yes, actually. I, I, I'll do like a protection spell around the family, which I did. Mm-hmm. Um, clear out all the energies and also, like I said, banish, banish like you're trying to banish a demon, uh, whatever spirits might be in there that are hostile. Because mm-hmm. wow. the goal is to have everything just super cleaned out and a barrier around there so they, they can't come back.
2: I like it. I like it a lot.
0: It's so. necessary. It's like, I'll say this much. Like, if you've got someone who's practicing witchcraft or Wicca, Wicca doesn't deal with demons very much. In fact, you know, a good chunk of will, will go out there and like, oh, demons, ha-ha. Because, you know, like, there were several um, pagan gods that were turned into demons, and you know, they basically went through a sex change and became, you know, uh, a demon that you would find in the grammar of magic. So a lot of them think that's kind of fake, and the rest but since we also don't really deal with it, a lot of the things that Wiccans have will deal well with a nature spirit. So it'll deal well with ghosts. It'll deal well with a lot of stuff, but a more feisty demon, it's, it's, it's not, mm-hmm. or even something that's demon like. So, but ceremonial magic's is designed to get rid of things like that. We want to clear the air so we can, um, breathe in the rarefied air of like astrological magics or sapphoric magics or zodiacal magics. So, um, it's it's kind of a better fit if you want to make things go away. It can make things go away,
2: right? Um, um, I can I can edit this part out if you want me to. But I wanted to see if you wanted to talk about that one case that I got that I sent you. Uh, oh
0: yeah,
2: about the girl. We don't have to say her name or yeah, where we'll she's at. That um, but it was it was a girl that reached out to me on Pintex. And she was telling me that um, she she had someone staying with her and and that, um, that scared me. <laughs> we had something drop over here. So uh, there was someone staying with her and uh, then th- things became uncomfortable. Maybe I'm leaving something out. You just tell me, Scott. But um, But she asked him to leave and then he left and then she was going through his stuff and like on the couch and he had like some kind of paper that had like some kind of Latin on it. And then yeah. she was seeing, like, shadows and smoke, and so she reached out to me, and she wanted help, and then I, I gave, I offered the case to you, and I'll let you go from there.
0: Oh, that was, that was unfortunate. That was, um, sometimes as, like, a, an investigator, you don't have the skill set you need for something that was not a paranormal case, that was a mental health issue case. Mm-hmm. Um, she had claimed that her boyfriend or whoever was boyfriend like that was staying with her got an obsession with her. Um, he left and that he was actually turning invisible and staying with her in her apartment and stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you're a really clever person, this is the plot line behind the the most recent Invisible Man movie. Right. And I was say, that she sounds, had, sounds very she yeah. sent me some I asked her to show me like any evidence she had She had a picture of him that was obviously a guy standing in a carport with his leg kind of obscured by uh, one of the posts and say, see, he's invisible. And I'm like, no, he's there. The camera's bad, but he's he's still right there. And her reply back was, oh, well, you see, he doesn't have a reflection in the, the Jeep window. And I'm like, well, it's angled so there wouldn't be one. And she sent me some other pictures of her Jeep that she saw um, Zozo, um, Slender Man. As you know, Slender Man was something that was made up on Creepypasta.
2: Right. And there was even a
0: um, uh, campaign, if you will, in which people were inserting pictures of Slender Man in various photos, which made it out. And some people thought that was a real thing. And there was one other one, I can't remember what it was, but it was also it was like one of those pop culture demons.
1: Probably the rake if I were to guess. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it was something like that, and she was singing it all around her jeep, and there was nothing there but a jeep. Yeah. And I'm a believer, but I also know that not every ghost is a ghost. Sometimes it's something other.
1: Right. It could
0: well, be bats, it could be raccoons. I've heard on one case it sounded like the gates of hell were opening. It was old plumbing.
2: Um... Yeah, no, that, that's, the,
0: scary yeah. Shit. that's just some scary shit. That's because yeah. ghosts, ghosts are cheaper. Um, but there was nothing there in the pictures. Some of her pictures of where she was seeing like demonic smoke moving around, the side corner of her photographs had the name Kush Queen. Yeah, so you know, yeah. blowing out a lot of smoke She, what she, was doing with she got some virus. good
1: shit. That's why she's seen. Yeah, it yeah. She had some.
2: She had some purple sticky punch.
1: Man, yeah. I, never mind. Was really <laughs> I'm not gonna finish that thought.
0: You could tell where the lady was having like some delusions, and you know, you're just hoping to God that she would talk to her mental health professional about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I, I sent her something. A friend of mine's a therapist, so I sent her some um, stuff for like some telehealth through SMU. That if you say you don't have any money to pay it, you can be free. Right. Just because she needed that, she was also going to the police department um, asking for help because her boyfriend was you know chasing her around and was invisible. They told her to go back to and you mentioned this in one of your conversations with her it was like, not the Betty Ford, but was something close to it. as was the Betty something. And mm-hmm. I researched that. That was a local mental health hospital in her town. And the one that really did it, because I do know my magic, damn it. I do know a lot about talismanic objects and various forms of curses. Um, the thing that she sent that was the talismanic object that her boyfriend had created, it was, and this is where you can see how bad the delusion was, it was literally a, it was a piece of paper that, maybe had something that was an X here and there, but just a lot of shading. Uh, she said that I had Chinese, I had Latin, she had experts look at it. There was no Chinese. I know Latin. There's no Latin there. Um, there was nothing on there except like maybe someone ran some pencil marks over it and kind of made literally two X's. Okay. And that, that was where I was like, okay, I, I understand what's going on now. Um, I don't have a. I, I have a master's degree. It's not in that, so uh, she needs some other kind of help than like a, a ghost hunter. And I hope that she's not out shopping around trying to find other groups that'll help her because that's really just distracting from the real help that she kind of needs. And yeah,
1: unfortunately, probably some group is going to agree with her and yeah. feed into her delusion. We had, was... we had several cases like that. That's why we didn't yep. want to do. Homes a lot unless it was really vetted, because there was cases where people were either had mental health or religious delusions like that or whatever, just got themselves scared, and right. there was no convincing them elsewise. And then there was some that it was, you know, very heavily. A hard, there was a hardcore chance that drugs were involved. Yeah. Oh. You know.
2: Because yeah. um, I think um she, I'm not gonna say what town she's in, but she was out west, mm-hmm. so she wasn't gonna get. She didn't have a big pick of people to go right. help her. Um, but I did tell her, I messaged her. I told her, I said, "I need you to do a police report before we do anything else." Mm-hmm. And she kept, she kept, you know, like either like not answering me or like Change prolonging or changing the subject. <laughs> and I told her, and she says, "Well, the, the the police won't help me." I said, "Go online and do it online." I said, "I need you to do it. It's important because if this is what's happening, we need to exit one out of the way, and so we can go on to the next one." And so I I gave her a bunch of like numbers and links to, like, victim hotlines and a bunch of stuff. And I don't I don't think she took advantage of any of that stuff. But that's – hopefully she can get the help. Yeah, unfortunately,
1: needs- it seemed like it was probably someone that wanted to be agreed with yeah. and didn't actually want help.
2: Probably.
0: Yeah, she, she was talking like the boyfriend was after her. But I think he might have just left and she was – like I said, she watched that movie, Invisible Man, because that's the entire plot of that. A guy yeah. creates the ability to come invisible to go stalk a girl and... That was part of the fantasy, along with Zozo, Slenderman, yeah. and other things.
2: I call that I call that proje- TV projection. You know, yeah, people the wanna...
0: well, there's, yeah. There's, there's a lot of it. One technique I love to do whenever I'm getting curious is I always go around, and again, on my psychic, so I can do it probably easier than others. And I, I look for the vibes of things, but I'm also looking to see what kind of books they have. Yeah. Like I've had a lot of cases that had. Um, I know demons are thrown around every third second, but if I have a case that has like a demon in there or something, a good chunk of the time, I find someone that found a book of black magic that was learning how to do something, didn't know what they were doing, mm-hmm. didn't practice that old adage, learned to banish before you summon and called something up, didn't know what to do about it. And it's going going to lie out their teeth that, you know, if they just went out and said like, well, I summoned this, I'll be like, okay, what did you use? So I can, you know, show you how to get rid of it, and get rid of it myself. Um, <laughs> they'll just lie about it and, you know, act like they have no idea. Then you kick a closet door and out falls like. Why, you know, why do they lie? Time.
3: Why do they, I always wonder that? Why, <laughs> why do they lie? If you're wanting the help, why? Yeah. We see, we well, it, it, see it on every episode too. Uh, stuff like that, like why, why lie? They just, well, they,
0: they always, I don't know if it's fear and judgment or what, but I was, I was talking to Ricky after like the, the guitar case one. And I was like, I, after I started doing the banishing and they got a separation from the spirit, um, all the stuff that I suspected they were doing, they were quite open about it. Cause you know, they just, mm-hmm. they hit that point in which they saw enough of a change they were thrilled to have it. So they got into full honesty time. Mm-hmm. um same one we had about a, a few weeks later that was um it was basically a, a the family that had a i'm not going to call it a demon because it's not but it was a feeder mm-hmm. it was one of those spirits that feeds on things and um it was touching people it was really bothering the girl that was going through those teenage years or sort you're of thinking like poltergeist activity kind of stuff opening doors but um the girl was having suicidal thoughts and was a cutter. Um, the the family didn't, you know, say this until much later. But the, there were like blood splatters over on the bed, some stuff up on the wall, uh, the millimeter that um, we were using because we we're trying to like use it as a a check on my psychic ability. I can tell you where something's at, but are we getting hit or not? Right. And in fact, we'll say this as a side note. That's how we tend to use tech is. Uh, not to prove that something's there, but if we're getting rid of it, then we go through with the tech to see if it's hiding. Because if the millimeter is just at a flat, everything is at a flat, then then we know what's gone. Um, but that friggin' millimeter was giving a nice little high reading of about like 14 and 12, you know, the EMF side of things, whenever we were on putting it next to the blood and we move it up from the blood and then it drops down to like, you know, 0.5. And the thing, while it was, it touched Ricky, it was acting out. Uh, Whenever I started banishing it, the lights in the living room flickered, which like freaked out the mom and stuff. But that thing was hovering over the the blood feeding. So of course it was affecting the client so that her kid would cut in deeper and give it more to feed off of. Um, again, not a demon, but I'm going to call it a feeder because that's basically what it was doing. Um, but, like, after we got enough of a banishing, the lights flickered, we got stuff like that, that's where mom kind of just started doing a, a big dump about this is what's going on with her daughter, this is what's going on with her. That's where we figured out what those stains on the bed were. That's where everything kind of started syncing up. But it was information that would have been more helpful Yeah. Uh, if, it had, if it, we had started with that.
1: It's hard to talk about, yeah, because there's such a stigma, and for a long time, people, it was trendy, yeah, you know, which is unfortunate, but you know, sometimes you don't think about it. I mean, even in that situation, they might not even thought that that was relevant to the case at the time, you know?
2: Yeah. Um, Scott, I'm going to change it up a little bit here. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, what are your thoughts on Bigfoot?
0: Oh my god. I haven't actually met Bigfoot. Um, let me let me go like this. I don't know that much about Bigfoot, but like the Loch Ness monster and anything that's basically is yeah. there an animal out there I'm I'm severely open minded to it. Yeah. I, I have an issue with people that think they've seen it in Oak Cliff or someplace like that. Yeah. I think there's, well. there's at least gotta there's at least gotta be like raccoons or a cat or some other animal there. Uh, for me to think it's something that's just that's really there. Now, going out towards East Texas where there's all the trees and everything and they you got you know, like person. Oh yeah, I can see that over there. There's there's enough for uh, bigfoot to live off and eat. There's stuff like that. Being native Chickasaw specifically, I know I've heard some funky stuff out there in the middle of those Oklahoma woods and stuff.
2: Yeah, there's there's tons of stuff in Oklahoma. There's probably like a 50-mile radius around Tulsa that has, yeah. that has sightings and stuff. And, um, but, uh, yeah, we actually had Oscar Mendoza on a couple, like three or four episodes ago. And he claims that they had like a Bigfoot sighting in yeah, Oak cliff or something like that. A lot of things. Yeah.
0: But there's, if it's, if it's a, what I'm not really sure of with Bigfoot is, um, the people trying to make it into like a movie target. Like if they don't have proof of it being a physical entity, which is how I encountered like, you know, the Bigfoot stories, then they make it into a spirit then they make it into an alien then they make it into like yeah um, they're they're kind of like jumping the shark and the fact they're they're trying to classify something that we don't have evidence of it being here now it's like you know trying to describe how a snake lives its life without finding the snake first it's kind of problematic mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah i got a book over here i got last week that um, basically say that maybe he's a fae
0: yeah which i mean you
1: know evolution of, of spirit of wilderness, wild spirits, and yeah. then you know, this one is about like it goes hand in hand because there are so many stories about them stealing children, kidnapping people, yeah, which is very, very common fey folklore. So, even yeah. like,
2: even like you know, Native American uh lore talks about that too. So, um, but, um, well, I you know, I knew I was gonna throw you off by asking you that because I know you oh, weren't,
0: problem. <laughs> not um, problem. you just like like you know, but. It is fascinating. It's just yeah. the one of the, one of the skeptics of Bigfoot, the scientists, said, one of the problems are like Bigfoot evidence is it's so easy to fake. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's something that happened that was kind of fun. Now, um, this is actually being told to me by one of my administrators, one of my bosses. Again, I'm a high school teacher, so there's that. Um, this is from a job I had like many many years back, early '90s. He had an art teacher, and this was up in like uh, Alaska, it's one of those like very rural towns where they pay a lot of money because Uh, the admin, his name was Charles Ward, was trying to get me to go up there. He's like, you would love it. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't. It was one of those places in which um, he described it as like, you know, you had to buy the toilet paper in bulk. Um you had a honey pot and I was like, What the hell's a honeypot? No. Like, well it's where you shit and piss in and you have to take it outside in the snow when it's going sideways. And he described a great story of this math teacher who was walking out oh, no. and saw her out there, snow was hitting her sideways and she slept, the honey honeypot went up in the air and just covered her in shit. And he thought this was a great time. I know, that's like, (laughs) (laughs)
1: that'll make you. (laughs)
0: North to the future, right? (laughs) It was not my idea of a good time. He was talking about this one guy who was an art teacher and an atheist. And he thought all the little Eskimo kids were just stupid, believing, you know, one version of like uh, Bigfoot or the rest. So being an art teacher, he made some fake Bigfoot feet and was just going through at night, through the little village, like leaving footprints everywhere. And they were all getting riled up on the rest. And you know, panicking like mad. And then when they caught him, meaning the school caught him, um, Charles had to let him go because that's a big violation of, you know, his teacher contract. Yeah. The guy was just, he was a pothead art teacher. He used to, according to Charles, have a giant bong in his living room. He left that out too. But, you know, it was the Bigfoot stuff that, yeah. that got him canned. Wow, well, I mean, it's kind of progressive when
1: it comes to. It's been legal there for a little bit, but, (laughs) but
2: um, yeah, that's that's an interesting story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I like that, but uh,
0: things for every real thing you have, there is always a story like that that can set the real evidence back. Right, right. It's, It's like with ghosts. For every real ghost that's out there one good fakery or one fake psychic or one fake medium just makes Ruins you know for everything. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: that's that's Rick Dyer. That's
1: why well, Dyer, you know. Yeah. That's why I like at this point I don't care about investigating a lot like yeah. maybe helping people if I know someone. Yeah. But it's so saturated and so many people want to get famous and all this stuff and it just makes everything and it's like I don't care about proof. I just want to know for myself. Yeah. And maybe help some people along the way. Yeah, I just want to help you. So I want to help myself see a Bigfoot though. Well, you know, we can do that
0: without yeah. having to go to be through like, oh, the crap. mess. So I do you like it. other forms of apes and when it gets pissed off it throws its poo at you? Yeah. 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 It does. I mean hey that I is could a be lent- that guy. I've,
1: have you heard stories about that ever happening?
2: What <laughs> uh, Bigfoot throwing poop at you? Yeah, because
1: it usually rocks and sticks, but it would make sense, maybe it, it would. But
2: I, I don't think maybe I've ever it heard is one. Maybe he's a
1: little bit more evolved. I, I haven't. Yeah, yeah I haven't heard. But anything like that, so they probably think that's racist. Man, that's <laughs> racist. How dare you? I think.
2: <laughs> but um, yeah, because I know when uh when I first asked you to be on the show. Uh, you said right away, you said right away, I don't have any Bigfoot stories.
0: <laughs> well, that's, that's usually what you expect within, like, a Bigfoot podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I've listened to your show before, and I loved it, but it was a lot of, like, you know, Bigfoot stories. Yeah.
2: Like, no, we do. Yeah, go ahead.
3: I'm sorry. I,
0: I'm good to go with ghosts. I'm going to go with demons. But if I saw a Bigfoot, I might shit myself.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I always uh, – I even told uh, Robert that you think – Cause this is where you can cross it over like you think bigfoot see see stuff like ghosts you, yeah you know, they see demons they see you know and are they able to have the knowledge to decipher that's not real yeah you know or they get scared themselves like ah, you know like just by seeing uh, a person you know like they try to scare it off and then it just vanishes in front of their eyes and they're like well, what the heck it's possible I yeah because there's a lot of the dead roam the earth. So yeah, what, does, if, there's, there's
1: there's no, what yeah. if there's Bigfoot ghosts? What if there's Bigfoot ghosts? What if Bigfoot practices what if spells or you they know, do, muscles, don't they? Like it's possible. I mean, I mean
2: it's I'm not gonna I, I don't I'm not gonna read it out.
1: I don't necessarily <laughs> wanna like say that that's a definitive just like hearing the stuff that's happened right with your team and the stuff that Luke's found yeah. that, that's like really early shamanistic. Yeah. Practices.
0: Well, you we'll could look at that we'll through some other ways too. Like, let's be honest, we're of the ape family, right? we mm-hmm. um, If you're looking at other apes out there, like you know, Coco the gorilla, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's the one that sign language and all the rest. And right. uh, Noam Chomsky, who studied linguistics, said, "Well, you know, humans are the only species that has animal uh, that has language."
1: Right.
0: But Coco actually innovated some sign language of her own and taught other apes and. We, we found out through watching her for a, you know a good longitudinal study that apes have the ability to do language and all of the stuff that we've been seeing and thinking is just them beating their chests and other stuff that was just animal stuff was their sign language for their stuff.
1: Yeah, because they can't um, physically speak in a voice like we do. Right. So it wouldn't would be ab-
0: it wouldn't be abnormal if a Bigfoot's closer to like another ape family that it would mm. do something like that. It might be far closer to us, set you know, it being something that has hair, it wouldn't necessarily have to wear pants, but, you know, maybe it could. Um, but there's just a whole lot of things out there that we can see from watching animals that they do that would signify that if another species does exist, it would be equally capable of language as other apes are. mm mm-hmm and um, equal capable of morality and stuff like that. And probably just, I have to imagine that we're the frightening species. We've killed off so many other species mm-hmm. out there. Um, if there is a Bigfoot, I don't really think it would come or he or she, let's call it he or she, because it would have personhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, he or she would come close to us because we're kind of messed up and deadly. You know, we've, we've destroyed so many other, other species out there it has to be aware of that
3: oh yeah oh yeah um, that's, i think think they've known that for a very
1: long time that's and i per- honestly think that's why not every even you know good researchers that we know have been in it for you know decades for example with you know our, our last guest she's yeah. never seen one she's been all around it her whole life yeah and has never seen it but i think they choose yeah, like, th- I think it's they kind of one of those things. Yeah, they know in,
2: I, I'm a definitely believer in that too. I think yeah. I think Bigfoot's choose to be seen, and they choose the people that but they, they want to see. You know. see. Yeah, and so. it's just
1: like, um, like the stuff that that Lucas has been doing or or is doing still. I guess, yeah. probably some uh, that you know he he's spoken about how it's kind of tricky. He didn't really want to tell anybody about it because it's one of those things. It's like you own their trust through this, and not everybody is worthy of that because they'll be yeah destructive with it more or less you know he told us did he tell it was it that story he told Did was it on air about the person that had shot one and he didn't end up dying, and the other guy got freaked out and they're like, you need to go in there and take care of your business. I don't think
2: he told us on the air. I yeah. think I think he told us off air. Um, <laughs> but um, Scott, uh, our my mentor, uh, Luke Gross, was doing some experiments and just wanted to get you in the loop on it. Uh, he's doing some uh, some bigfoot experiments using Ogham with sticks. Oh yeah. And so, uh, he was doing it, like, in a five-state area. He was using, using other researchers in five different states, and they were all leaving, like, the same the same pattern, and they yeah. were they were all getting, like, responses. And so, um, but it, I thought it was, you know, I experienced some Ogham stuff, like, in the early 2000s, but I'd never talked about it to anybody, because I didn't want anybody to think I was crazy or dumb or whatever. I just never talked about it, but... I've experienced some stuff like in the field and these Texas about Ogum and but I never said anything about it so And
1: they're they're like leaving you guys like herbs yeah. and things like yeah. that yeah. that you know
2: Yeah, they were leaving us herbs and they were leaving us like birds and like crooks of trees and stuff like that. Stuff that I was putting stuff there, like in crooks of trees and I would come back like, you know, a day later and they would leave a little thing for me like yeah. a de- like a dead bird or some herbs or whatever. I don't think it was dead bird. And it was like way in the field where no one could see it. But mm-hmm. anyway, but yeah. But it was fascinating stuff, so.
0: No, it's nothing unusual. I mean, your house cat does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's where a lot of this stuff if you're putting it in the greater context, it's not it's not unreasonable. Yeah. That things like that would happen.
2: Well, um, Scott, we're at an hour. So
0: My uh, god. I know it it (laughs) did.
2: Um thank you for coming on, man. I really, really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed talking to you. Um hopefully you enjoyed it too. So
0: yeah. Oh I did anytime when we didn't even get to talk about demons and other scandalous things. Yes. (laughs) We
2: can we can do a part two to that. So um I want to thank you for coming on though.
0: Absolutely. And if any anyone listener needs any help with anything, you can like I said find me on Facebook. Um, you'll see the name, you'll see vegan underneath my picture, so you'll know it's me. Uh, <laughs> or contact us at <laughs> Texas Paranormal Recon at gmail.com. Scott, period, Texas Paranormal Recon, like one word, at gmail.com.
2: Okay. Thank you. Good night. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I must be adieu,
1: And so good bye
3: And good, night, bye!